Welcome back to another brand new episode of the EPL Boys, your home to everything English, Premier League, soccer, and a little bit more. My name is Matt, as always, joined by my best friend through the internet, JD. JD, we have survived the weekend. We survived it. We did it. Somehow, some way. We had a nice little extended weekend getting off on Martin Luther King, Martin Luther King Day as we definitely pay homage to the effects that one man had on society as a whole today and we continue to push his word on going forward but JD I am doing well I'm gonna ask you you've you've had a really nice relaxing weekend I've heard yeah uh it was great um spent most of the weekend with my girlfriend and her family um and then yeah last night I I was tucked into bed by 9 p.m and um yeah it was very uneventful how was how was uh how was the end of your weekend Matt Ah, so far, everything is good. So we are recording a little bit later on Monday. Usually we record a little earlier, but the Devils are on the West Coast. And they, for some odd, they had an afternoon game today on the West Coast. So like literally the game ended like five minutes ago. The Devils were losing for exactly like the Devils took a really early lead, but then were losing for the rest of the game. Tied the game up with nine seconds left in the game. Won in a shootout in overtime. Six points on the road. You love to fucking Matt, see it. Nobody, nobody watches hockey. If you watch hockey, hit, hit me <laughs> up. Let's, let's 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 talk puck and sticks, bro. Um, but yes, there was also an extremely eventful weekend here in the English Premier League. So today, guys, we are going to cover every game that happened this past weekend. There's a lot of talking points to get to. As well, we're going to briefly discuss a couple FA Cup replays and get you all set up for the two Premier League games during the midweek before we get back into the action next weekend. So let's kick it off nice and early. We are starting on Friday afternoon, Aston Villa 2, Leeds 1. In a game where this game, right off the bat, Leon Bailey getting the very, very, very early goal. One of the first shots on target in this entire game going in. But, JD, this game this game had a lot of oomph to it. I, I want to say oomph because there was a lot of, like, build-up to the fireworks, but there weren't a lot of actual fireworks. It's a good game, 2-1. This is a great win for Aston Villa at home. You predicted this, so I'll, I'll let you take the lead. How did Aston Villa do it? Yeah, they. Um, I think they. It, it, this was a very even, a very tight game where I think Leeds probably deserved a point, but at the same time, I think Villa were just more clinical. I mean, a third minute goal from Leon Bailey, and then Emmy Buendia just being the first to react off of a, a save from Melier. I, it comes down to that. I it, the fine margins in in tight games like this, you just need to be able to react faster, and and that's. Really, the only reason Villa got all three points here, I think Leeds played really well, but they just were not clinical enough. And I and it, I know um, Nanto, uh, I don't really know how to pronounce his name, but it's one of those like uh, like GN um, names. But he uh, he had a great assist 
for Patrick Bamford's goal, but I think you need to consistently do that. Like they, they didn't. Show, that was the only time where I was thinking as he was passing, I was like, yeah, this would be a goal. But other than that, I it just they weren't clinical enough. So fair yeah. play to Aston Villa, but uh, Leeds still have a lot of work to do. Yeah, I think it's good. I think this is very good for Aston. Uh, I'm sorry for Leeds that Patrick Bamford is coming back, getting on the goal sheet. This is good because they need someone who consistently bear the weight of 10 to 15 goals a season for this club, and and they need him back. I think Leeds are the, at their best. Um, I do want to give a quick shout-out to Tyler Adams, who was named U.S. Men's National Team Player of the Year. Kind of crazy. Um, you know, kid from the Red Bull Academy coming through, going through every place he went to to get to Leeds, and now he's arguably, if not one of Leeds' best players. He's probably considered untouchable, and it's it's absolutely crazy. Uh, but he was one of the lone standouts on that Leeds team tonight. But yeah, as Aston Villa as a whole, it was a good team performance. Like, there weren't individual standouts. There were just, it was a good team effort. And Unai Emery has definitely taken this Aston Villa team and made them... A team no longer a pushover, not like... Because when Steven Gerrard was there, it was a little bit more of, like, Aston Villa's in town. Hey, this is a really good opportunity to get three points. Now it's, hey, we're playing Unai Emery's Aston Villa. This is a game where if we're not on the top of our level, he's going to make us pay. So that is how we start off this... uh, We start off the Premier League weekend. Let's kick it to Saturday morning, boys and girls. Let's 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 do this. Let's do this. Uh, everyone all together. Let's all come in. If you if you also hate the Premier League officiating, you can just skip this part. Yeah, that's you all, can, That's all we're talking about. You know what? I'm gonna talk for like sixty seconds straight. So if you want to just knock out that fifteen second thing like three or four times, go for it. Man United's back, baby. Eric Ten Hag's got the boys flying. Let me just get into one thing and one thing really quickly. The first half was a really evenly played half. I think 0-0 was an absolutely fair opportunity. Both teams had good chances, but overall, nothing was lost. Second half, United came out literally like Ollie Gunnar Solskjaer's Man United. We came out flat. We came like City were owning every second of the ball. We couldn't get it out. We were having the conversation, I, this, that is the true example of what United still need to work on. The, 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 the chandelier is not completely clear, if that makes any sense. United were lacking talent at certain positions where City were just absolutely bullying us. The Jack Grealish goal was something special. Kevin De Bruyne being able to feed that perfect of a touch to him is, it's absolutely crazy. And JD... I'd be lying if I said I didn't think it was over. Because, for me, I'm just trained as United. Oh, fuck. We gave up the goal against the really good team. There's just no coming back. And then, of course, we're going to talk about the bounce back for Manchester United. Starting off with a very, very controversial goal scored by Bruno Fernandes. Originally called offsides. And JD and I are going to talk about it. I'm going to just say, and I want it on record right now, the rule is flawed. The rule is flawed. 100%. I understand that this one tiny little loophole, which by the way, by the next time, 
you hear us talk about the Premier League, this could be changed. This literally could be changed tomorrow. This this could have been, they could have been working on this today to change this rule. Marcus Rashford hovers over the ball, and yes, there is a way you could say that he does impede the defender or impede the goaltender's angle. Shame on Manchester City for giving up on the play because, and Marcus Rashford's offsides. Shame on you. Shame on you for giving uh, United the ability to fucking just smack one in. And from the second that goal was scored by Bruno Fernandes, I was screaming, go for the fucking win, baby. Go for the fucking win. Granacho with a beautiful, beautiful feed to Marcus Rashford, seeing Manchester United grab all three points against City. We are one point behind them in the race in the Premier League, giving Arsenal the opportunity, which we will talk about later. JD, I, I'll let you get into it, because you and I were going back and forth with this about, should this have been allowed? Should this been should this have been allowed to stand? And then overall, do you think this just absolutely changes the entire dynamic of this game? I, it's barely worth talking about. It, it's not even close to being the correct call. I... It's if you watch that goal back, it's not even that Rashford, you know, even he he stops himself ready to take a shot that just is possession. He's hovering over the ball. He's he has controlled possession even Never without touching it. touching it. He's literally controlling it using his body in front of defenders to control it. That is the definition of possession and influencing the outcome of the play from an offside position. I, I just, I, I don't know. It, it is so hard to think that is it is anything but fraud at that, at that point. I, the, the, how the referees could change their decision after seeing it through VAR, it, it, it's, it's, it's fraudulent. I, it's, something is going on. I, and I, I, there's no other explanation. That's that's it, and and that that it's a blight on the game. It's a blight on the league itself. I don't know how anyone can take this seriously anymore. It, so, it's getting to it's getting to a point where it, it's really hard to take this league seriously. So, it, and again, there are there are talks about where I agree with JD. Marcus Rashford is over this ball for a second or two, and yes, but the original call. From, was offside. Yeah. The original call was offsides. But Professional Game Match Officing Board states the official rule is the player needs to have full possession of the ball, which Marcus Rashford did not have. He did not have possession have of you, the ball. I'm, I'm going to bring up a point to that. Have you ever seen when a player is offside and the ball is going out, but they're chasing after it and they don't touch it, they still raise the flag? You ever notice that? Same hey. exact situation here. Hey, you know what? It's, hey. it, it, they pick and choose. They do, pick and choose, and and it's it's fraudulent. I, but do do I say it's a flawed rule? Yes, this rule needs to be clarified tomorrow. This needs to be justified yesterday. But by the letter of the law, the goal is good. And I'm telling you right now. I'm not complaining. Like, this is one of those things where I was watching it, couldn't believe the call actually went our way because Manchester United over recent times has not gotten a call for shit. But I'll tell you right this exact second. I will take that call every day of the fucking week. Because you know what? 
at that point, we were in it. We were in it. And I'm telling you right now, change the rule. Go ahead and change the rule. Go ahead and fine tune the rule. Because then in five years, when something similar like this happens, there is no issue whatsoever. We can call it the Marcus Rashford rule for all I care. Let's name more things after Marcus Rashford. Please do it. This is a massive, massive result for Man United, mostly because this is just showing the mentality that this team does not quit, which is something that this team has not had. The passion this team was showing after the Marcus Rashford game leading goal is something I have not seen from a United side since Sir Alex Ferguson. By the way, quick shout out to anyone who ever said Varane and Casemiro were coming to United for a paycheck. My God, these guys are such badge fighters, I, and I, I mean, fucking love I mean, it. De Bruyne literally bullied Casemiro for the first goal from City. Hey, he held hey. his, and even if you watch it back, he held his hand the entire time. Hey, the only thing I want to talk about right now is when Luke Shaw got home. But well, um. Let me just be very clear. How many how many cheeseburgers do you think he ate? I, you know what? Say whatever you want about Luke Shaw. <laughs> Luke Shaw is currently walking his way into Premier League team of the season at the oh center back God. position. He Please. pocketed Erling Holland. Erling Holland was pocketed by little Luke Shaw. My heart is full and my pants are wet which means it's time to move on. Oh, wait, it can get better? Yes, it can. Brighton 3, Liverpool Donuts. JD, it'd be rude to say I wasn't having a really good time on Saturday morning, but can, what happened? What happened in the... Because Brighton, which, by the way, without Leandro Tosard, who, that was a developing story apparently had a falling out with the coach and now is officially on the... Tra like, he's going to move in January. Like, this literally escalated that quickly. He already left the UK. There was a yeah. report today. Yeah, yeah. H homie's out. H homie is gone. But, JD, 3 nothing to Brighton. Like, what is what is going on with Liverpool? Yeah, they're, they're flat. I, I mean, they it was an awful game from Liverpool. Um, there were defensive mistakes, particularly from Joel Matip and then Joe Gomez. And that's kind of what happens when Joe Gomez comes on as a sub, as a center back. We're missing Van Dyke desperately, but it's it's way deeper than that. I, I don't think the result changes if Van Dyke's there. Um, the, the midfield has been a huge question for Liverpool for a while. It, it's aging. It's... Uh, I don't know, man. It, it, basically, Liverpool needs either one really good midfielder or two decent midfielders just to shake it up. And, yeah, it has to be said. I mean, it, it has to be said. Liverpool have four forwards that are injured. And Roberto Firmino, Diogo Jota, Luis Diaz, and Darwin Nunes. So when yeah. Alex Ox Oxlade-Chamberlain has to start in the forward position, that's a problem. I know, again, it's, the, it's mostly the midfield issue, but... It's it's tough when a player like Luis Diaz could have done you know it's all it's always in hindsight that like oh yeah Luis Diaz may have been able to unlock this defense I don't know Liverpool are just in a rut right now and I it's it's gonna be a bit I don't usually get obnoxious on the podcast I usually wait until after but JD I 
if only you guys signed some form of like a winger striker to add to that sh- that that attacking thing, like maybe a nice Dutch forward. Are you saying Gakpo is like already a flop, dude? He's no, no, two no, games. no, 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 not at all. I'm just saying, like, only if you signed someone of that caliber to help your team score against Brighton. I am having a wonderful time. I just want to be very, very clear. I'm having an absolutely wonderful time, and I'm trying to stay composed. I really, really am. But do you know how, like, for a United fan, this is like, I don't remember the last time Liverpool were this shit and United were this good at the exact same time. Like, it's been a decade. I'm having a great time. Uh, Brighton looking absolutely phenomenal. I mean, dominating every small aspect of this game. Uh, And again, JD makes a very valid comparison. Liverpool looked very flat in this game. Like, it literally, like, there was no, there was no anything to this Liverpool side. They looked flat. They looked absolutely just completely out of it. Um, You know, March getting two goals. Danny Welbeck getting a, a, a really nice goal. Doing the Marcus Rashford celebration. I mean... Ooh, ooh. Here, I'm going to put my conspiracy hat on. Uh, So that Danny Welbeck goal... Not that it matters at all. Liverpool had lost that game well before that. Um, That's a high boot if a defender does it. No. Uh, His takedown on the ball. That's a high boot if if, if it's the other way around. And I I don't mean Liverpool. I just mean if any defender does that into an attacker, it's a high boot. Now, my only question is, is... You can put your boot that high if no one's around you, right? It's right like, it was right in Joe Gomez's face. Oh, no, face. no, no, I'm, no, no, no. And he, I'm, if that happened to if Joe Gomez did that to Danny Welbeck, Danny Welbeck would have hit the floor. Oh. Uh, not disagreeing one way to another. Definitely not disagreeing one way to another. Um, If you're Liverpool, you, you got to start kind of finding results. You're in ninth right now. The injury list still doesn't look great. And... You have a midweek replay against Wolves this upcoming week. And you have, you know, the Premier League schedule is going to start getting a little bit more compact. Champions League football is going to start coming back into the mix. This is going to start to get to a really congested time. If you're Liverpool, you need to, like, I don't know if Klopp's got to change something up. I don't know if he's got, like, he's, something's got to happen with Liverpool, and I just don't know what. JD, is there a quick fix right now for this Liverpool team to just get anything? There's no quick fix until players come back from injury or or the board finally fucking signs a midfielder. They've signed all they've signed all these attackers in the last few seasons, which is great, you know, great. But if you if we can't get the ball to the attackers, the forwards, it, it doesn't matter, and that's that's basically what's happening. Thiago would is a still a great player, but what you it can't just be him. Henderson is completely off. Fabinho has had an awful season. I it's just I don't know. It's the 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 higher than Klopp needs to figure out. Wow, we really need a new midfielder. Like whether that's a Jude Bellingham in the summer, which I I think it would have to be in the summer. And that's where it brings me back to: we either need one really good midfielder to partner Thiago, or two decent ones. So that Mateus Nunez. And say Yuri Tielemans, who could be you know an, a, an affordable option at this point because he's going to walk for free in the summer. That and that's what I mean by like two good midfielders or one really good mid- midfielder. So I don't, I don't know. That's just three options right there that would immediately improve the midfield in a way that is desperately needed. 
And I there, there's no quick fix, but they you know if they brought in, I honestly I would welcome Telemans with open arms. He's uh, he's in the prime of his career at the, on the on the bottom side of the prime I, of his career. That's that's a wonderful. Sh- I think if you're Liverpool, you need to be talking with Leicester City like as yeah, we're talking that, like that is like, a, that is a very legitimate option because yeah. of his contract situation. So. Next game we're going to talk about is going to be Everton versus Southampton. Um, final score would be 2-1 going to Southampton. Uh, reports, though, before the game, legitimate threats against the board from certain fans actually kept board members from attending this game. It's, it's There's a lot of, like, you know quotes from like the spokesman of the team saying how upset they are and stuff like that but Everton you know being a staple in the Premier League for so long you know this is a team that is visibly upset because of the downgrade of quality that's been put into the club and it's getting so crazy that fans are finding the players in their net just in where they live and like you know you like the, the yeri mina thing was outside the stadium yeah, but yeah like but still yeah. like uh fans literally saying when we go down are you coming down with us like literally like not threatening but like getting their point across like motherfucker you better this game had you know and you know it started off well for uh, for everton everton were on the front foot for the majority of the beginning of this game Onana getting um getting that goal early in or later in the first half was absolutely key. But man, James Ward Prowse from a dead ball spot. I mean, first of all, James Ward Prowse absolutely unlocking the defense on one goal and then from the dead ball. I mean, Jesus. Like Jordan Pickford, Pickford should be fined for yeah, not doing his job. Yeah. I, you you you're looking at James Ward Prowse from that distance in that position and you don't even dive for it. You know it's going to be on target. Yeah. You know it's going to be on target. Like how do you just stand there? This is like one of those things and if you have ever played like, I hope Everton finds him because I he deserves to not be paid for that week. I look and I think to myself about FIFA, like the video game FIFA. It's an auto thing. When someone has a free kick, you take your tallest guy and literally man-mark him on the other post. And I shit you not, at this point, teams should just fucking do that. Like, take your biggest fucking guy on the field and literally pin him on the far post. You have a guy that's going to break the record for most set-piece goals in the Premier League by the end of his career, and you, yeah, just do that. Just literally just, just stick somebody right there. Just stick someone on the far post. It, like... It's going to be, like, you're basically taking away two to three feet off of his available range. That's so much for a free kick taker. Yeah. I'm not going to lie, JD. You're, you're talking about, like, bringing in people. I think Liverpool would benefit infinity from having a James Ward-Prowse in your lineup. Someone who's yeah. just outright quality. He's not going to do the big flashy things. But if you knew... Right off the bat, if you had a free kick within thir- within thirty yards, like I-, I I think he's worth a bigger money move. That's just that's, my opinion. Yeah, that that'll be tough though. Um, I think the the Tealman's thing that's more because of the contract situation. Yeah. I don't think James Ward Prowse leaves Southampton anytime soon. Um, if he wanted to leave, he would have left already. Well, and in 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 their league position, I know Everton's also right there, but um, and or sorry, Leicester City is also you know right you know, down towards there. But I, I think it, it's unrealistic to think that Southampton would let James Ward-Prowse go right now. 
Yeah, I I understand. Everton. Let's 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 direct it back into the Everton direction. You needed to fire Frank Lampard like two weeks ago. I'm I, I'm really sorry about this. I I unless your goal is to get relegated, there is no reason Frank Lampard should still be your coach. You need to go out, get one of the relegation-saving coaches that forever go in the merry-go-round of availability, you bring one of them in, and you 4-4-2 your way back into finishing in 16th. Like, you fucking do the fucking minimum to fucking grind out one nothing results for the rest of the fucking season. You play boring, dull football, and you save yourself at least one more opportunity. The fact that you're going to let Frank Lampard absolutely nosedive this fucking club is on the hysterical and sad portions. Like, it's terrible watching Everton... Growing up, Everton was a staple. They were a pinnacle team in the Premier League, always in the top 10, always being a bother to the big guys. And and, and this easily could turn yourself... Anytime you go down, again, we have to keep reminding ourselves, when you go down, no guarantee you come right back up. There is no guarantee. Unless Uh, you're Fulham. Yeah, Fulham, Norwich... Okay, maybe it is a guarantee sometimes. But if you're not Sunderland, if you're not Millsborough, if you're not teams like that who go down and then like, oh, I don't, we're just going to come back up. Never heard from again. Never heard from again. I, I, you, you fire Frank Lampard. That's it. That's, that's the first thing that you do if you're Everton Football Club. You fire Frank Lampard because now you and Southampton are both tied on 15 points dead last on the table. That is crazy. You know what? Uh, I was just thinking, do they still plan on building that new stadium? Dude, I think it's <laughs> Or is being... that just in the is that just in the trash can? I think <laughs> at that's this point? well, it's being built. Is that not or wait, didn't they Is it is it? I thought I thought I... it was still in the planning phase because it was something like 400 million pounds or something to I... build it. We're, um, we're going to have to like, which, I'd love to look that It's up. like they they have bigger problems right now than their stadium. Ugh. Nottingham Forest 2, Leicester nothing. Uh, Two goals from Johnson. This was easy. Like, Leicester are another team that just have problems everywhere, JD. I mean, ever. Harvey Barnes, like, I did he, like, did he ever hit the target in the three or four shots he took? Like, they were all. I didn't even realize he was playing, to be honest. Leicester are just bad. Brendan Rodgers is bad. But the thing is, is. I think, J.D., and I'll have you talk about this game a little bit. Leicester are going to stay up because there are just, like, five worse teams than them. Like, that's the saddest part. Leicester are relegation quality, but there are teams literally worse than them. And that's the only reason why they're going to stay up this year. Yeah. No, I agree. Um, they, They have not shown the ability compared to a lot of other teams. But yeah, you're right. Like five other teams somehow are worse. And I I think and I'm not taking away anything from teams like Arsenal or United or Newcastle or City. But this so far this season, it's been a lot of shit. For and, and I'm not saying at the top of the table, I just mean from the bottom half and really inkling up into the top half to some degree, it's been really poor quality overall. So I, I 
it's you know you, you take advantage if you're one of the good teams this season like Arsenal you take advantage of that while also you know performing very well but you you do use that to an advantage I think it was the same with Liverpool in 2020 I think that that season of you know a lot of it was partially due to um to COVID but that really didn't happen until the end of the season anyway but that whole season I think there was there were a lot of teams that should have done a lot better but didn't and Liverpool took advantage and I think that's sometimes just how it happens and that's what I'm seeing this season. This win is massive, though, for Nottingham Forest. You now... Now, again, as as well, I'm going to break this all into the same conversation because JD was talking about how tight it is, you know, down in the relegation battle. Between Nottingham Forest in 13th and Southampton in dead last is literally five points. That's two bad weeks. Two bad weeks, two good weeks can see you go in any direction you could literally be safe today gone tomorrow so it's ridiculous how like how like and again we always say this we we never say it at the beginning of the season but we always say it at the end of the season that the relegation battle at the end of the season sometimes is more fun than the top four race the championship race things like that like the fact that we could realistically like all three teams in the relegation like slots right now are at 15 points. I don't think I've ever seen all three teams in the drop zone all on the same amount of points past Christmas. And yes, I understand World Cup. But it's like we're on, we're at the almost halfway part of this season and there are like five to six teams that realistically if they just have a bad run of games, it's over. Like it's it's over absolutely crazy massive three points for nottingham forest at home it is absolutely well deserved another game with teams at the bottom of the table wolves nothing or i'm sorry wolves won west ham nothing Podence getting the only goal he has been in fine form since the new manager arrived and west ham again west ham now find themselves on one of those teams with 15 points in the drop zone, and uh, apparently there are rumors now, JD, that David Moyes could be, as soon as the time you are listening to this podcast, not have employment, which I don't even know why it would have waited this long. This game was on Saturday. If I was going to fire someone, you're fired the day I want you gone. I'm not going to wait two days to do it, right? Yeah, yeah. Did you see that they were possibly thinking about bringing in to replace him? I didn't. Who? Rafa Benitez. There you go. See, hold on. That's and that's confirmed from a West Ham supporter. Hey, hey, Brian. You, hey, hey, you know what? First of all, I, I Brian Fabrizio Romano are the same person to me. Like if Brian <laughs> says it, it's gonna happen. West but Ham related. Anyway. West Ham related. Yes, absolutely. But let's talk again. But that brings up the conversation I had before. One of the coaches on the relegation battle roulette of coaches. Rafa Benitez, throw that fucker in there, go 4-4-2 for the rest of the season, scrap out like eight draws, find yourself to safety. Do what you got to do to stay up, right? Yep. Yep. No, it's 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 Benitez, it's, you know, Steve Bruce, it's Sam Allardyce, obviously. Uh, Dean Roy- Smith. Get Roy-, get Roy Hodgins out of the retirement Roy- home and throw his ass <laughs> no, up in there. No, nobody wants that, Matt. Nobody Ugh. wants to see Roy Hodgson coaching again. I just, I mean, hey, you know what? We'll, we'll, 
we have a few other games uh, to talk about where we could be speaking about new managerial positions. So we'll we'll get to those soon. But yeah, Wolves, this is a massive win. This really is a massive win for you because this now takes you out of the drop zone. You are still in the mix, but you tonight sleep safer knowing that you live to fight another day in the Premier League as we sit. And you have a really exciting second leg to go up against Liverpool coming up in this week's FA Cup replays. Things are on the turn. Wolves are getting results. They are. Uh, this new manager came in, JD, and, and Lua Pategi really has absolutely changed the culture at this club. Like, they really. This is like literally, we talk about the new manager bounce. This team is playing with a whole lot of energy. And I'm so glad. Man United haven't played them, at least yet. Like, when we played them, I don't think he was the coach. But when we play them, or, we, you know, because before, they weren't playing at this level. Now, when we go up against Wolves, I'm actually going to be pretty upset because this is a team that could take points off of bigger clubs. Yeah, um, I, I still think Wolves have a lot to, to be desired in some areas. But when you have games like this where you need to get results to keep yourself out of the relegation zone they are starting to, to perform better. So that's 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 a good sign, at least. Um, but at the same time, yeah, West Ham also are just awful right now. Absolutely terrible. Uh, that'll take us to our next game. Brentford 2, Bournemouth nothing. Ivan Tony from the penalty spot. Uh, probably the most sure thing from the penalty spot we have in the Premier League. And then Jensen getting a goal in the late uh, later half of this game to see this game become a cruising win for Brentford. Uh, th this game was absolutely cut and dry. This game was Brentford owned basically massive chunks of the ball in the places they wanted to own it. They got the comfortable win. Bournemouth had a couple flashes, but honestly, for the 1230 slot here on the East Coast, this was a pretty relaxing game, in my opinion, JD. Yeah, yeah, there, there wasn't really... there was Nothing told me, that, like, from watching this game, nothing from Bournemouth told me that they were going to take advantage of anything. I, I think this was cut and dry, easy win for Brentford. Absolutely, absolutely. So that'll take us on, which by the way, let's let's quickly, we're talking so much about the table. Let's talk about the table because Brentford now find themselves in eighth. Only like they are one win away from sixth. And realistically, I, at this point, Ivan Tony seems to still be playing. It seems his charges or at least he won't have to face his charges at least well this May. season. Yeah, so he'll be able to play this full season. I'll tell you this right now. Brentford would not surprise me if they found a way into a top six finish or a top seven finish. And I'll tell you right now, I get a lot of joy watching Brentford, especially when they win, because their fans treat every win, no matter what result it is, like they just won the Champions League. It's parties. It's it's dancing. Everyone's singing. I, I love it. I think that's something about Brentford that makes them a little bit more unique compared to some of the other teams. So let's move on, though, to Sunday. Chelsea won. Crystal Palace nothing. Kai Havertz getting the sole goal in this game off of a really nice played header. Um, JD, this game... This game sucked. It wasn't great. Uh, I, I feel like Chelsea did just enough. I think Chelsea, like, even though it was a one nothing game, I think Chelsea did handle this quite comfortably. 
Like, at no point did I think Crystal Palace were ever going to do shit. Like, they really... God, Crystal Palace played, like, trash. And I really hope that just carries over to fucking Wednesday when Man United have to play them. Because Crystal Palace literally just... They were chasing ghosts. Chelsea, who are a very weak team at this moment, they didn't pressure them enough to make mistakes like they should be. This was a pretty cut-dry win. I think Chelsea, if they had, you know, people in the right spots, this game could have gotten really, really bad. And it's 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 sad. But, I mean, J.D., is there anything else from this game, you know, you want to discuss? No, not really. I mean, Kai Havertz scoring is good for Chelsea, but it was a very poor performance overall. And I think they got lucky they caught Palace on a very off day. Yeah, it's just... It's just terrible. It's... It's, it's terrible because you look at this Chelsea side and how weak they were. I felt like Crystal Palace could have had the opportunity to really, really go at Chelsea, and they just didn't. And I'm a little disappointed in Patrick Vieira, but kudos to Chelsea. This is a massive win. Yeah, you didn't move up the table. You're still in 10th, but let me tell you this right now. The wins and the sloppy games make it easier to build on than a loss or a draw. And losing, dropping points in this game would have killed you. It would have absolutely killed you. But, J.D., before we move on, the Arsenal saga for uh, Mudrick, I know I'm probably mispronouncing his name, the young, very, very young Ukrainian winger, it almost seemed done deal signed. Arsenal are going to take it all. But Chelsea got a little sniff of an opening and decided to go all in Sealing the young, I, I don't even, what is he, 21 years old, 20 years yeah, old? something like that, yeah. For 100 million euros from Shakhtar Donetsk. JD, wow. Like, at this point, I wouldn't tell, I wouldn't go to the supermarket and look at a box of cookies too long, because I'd be worried Chelsea are just going to buy them before I do, right? Yeah, it's a good thing you got your hands on Anthony before Chelsea did. Oh my God, Jesus Christ! Don't, thank, thank you for saying that out loud. That makes me actually feel better about having Anthony now. Like, oh, thank God. But what's an actual really cool thing is Shakhtar Donetsk took uh, twenty-five mil of the one hundred mil and donated it directly to Ukrainian soldiers. First of all, what a gesture by Shakhtar Donetsk. What what a way to make a fuck ton load of money. Way to scam Chelsea out of a hundred million euros. Yeah, I, I was gonna say it's it's like I even Shakhtar didn't think he was worth a hundred mil, but they knew Chelsea would pay it. Uh, again, these clauses and all these things are in effect so that teams don't get swindled out of their players, and that's what they're there for. But at the same time, sometimes these clubs set these things so high just to scare people the fuck away. Like, dude, it's $100 million. You're not going to buy that. And they're like, no, actually, we'll buy it. And then you're sitting there like, are you serious? That's like having a yard sale, taking a jersey that's not worth $10 and putting it outside for $50, and someone literally walks up to you and goes, I'll pay you 50 bucks for that. And you're like, are, are, are you serious? Like, oh, okay. 
So good on Shakhtar Donetsk. That's a massive gesture to donate that 25 million euros to, you know, fighting Ukrainian soldiers because things are still not well over there. So, but Mudrik will be a part of the Chelsea squad going forward. I think we could see him as early as this upcoming weekend. So that's going to be interesting to see if he gets into the lineup, where does he get into the lineup? And, you know, how does Graham Potter play another piece to this ever so expensive puzzle we call Chelsea? So... We will have to see. We will have to see. Next game, Newcastle won Fulham nothing. A late Isak goal would see the absolute, the, they would decide this game. But JD, the massive talking point was, and you're going to love this because for you, is this not just only the best thing to happen to this specific player? Yes. Mitrovic getting awarded a penalty and converting it, but. It hit his foot twice. His planter foot slipped a little bit, and the ball ricocheted off of his planter foot and went in. If you are not aware, saw the highlight and were unaware, you cannot hit the ball twice before it goes goalward. It has. You only have one opportunity to hit it, and I'll tell you this right now. If you're Newcastle, you can breathe because... This was almost another set of drop points, but you found a way to win it, and you found your way back into that third-place spot. JD, this game, low-scoring, not too, too much action. Newcastle dominated every second of this game. But it, for me, I'm kind of expecting Newcastle to just do a little bit more. The expectation is there for them to do good things, and it's like, come on. Fulham are good. They're not that good. Yeah, I, I think Newcastle might be kind of going through a mid a midseason slump, and I say that lightly, like not not anything crazy, just not performing as well as they had been. And this might be a couple games, and they just need to get back into the the swing of things post World Cup. I don't think it's anything to be cra to go crazy over. They're still in third place, tied on points with United, but with a much better goal difference. I think if they just put their heads down and focus, they'll be fine for top four. Um, going to the penalty, I do find it funny that that is a rule. It's it's it seems like a weird rule. Like I don't know why that would affect it that much. Um, but yeah, it's the rule, and I do see that. Like literally, it causes the ball. He sure. was shooting left, and it caused the ball to go right. I get I get why it's a rule. I don't know. It just seems weird. At the same time, I you could see the players digging up the penalty spot right before, and uh, that's kind of why he slipped. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I'm all for Mitrovic getting shit on and, you know, doing doing all this to himself. But I do kind of feel for him there because the Newcastle players literally dug up the penalty spot. And I think I think the officials need to look into that more. Yeah, it's it's something that... They won't, though. Yeah, it, they're too busy trying to rewrite the offsides rule. Uh, I'll tell you this, though. I think if you're Newcastle, like I said, you can breathe. You did it. But this game offered a lot more questions than answers, in my opinion, because, yeah, you absolutely locked in. You got a ton of shots. You created a lot of opportunities. You got your conversion rates got to be up, man. You got to win this game 3 nothing, 4-1, something like that. The other thing for massive concern for me is Bruno Gamarge uh, went off early with an injury, and I, I haven't looked into it since, but he didn't look great coming off. He was wincing. He didn't look like he could really carry on on his own
that's a massive loss for Newcastle. Like, that's massive. That is top one or top two players on your roster right now. If you lose him for an extended period of time, that is a whole, I don't see another person on this Newcastle team filling. Because Newcastle starting 11 are phenomenal. But as we've discussed, they rotate, they, they, they don't play, they don't have a good second team. They don't have good rotation players in yet. If you're Newcastle and Bruno Gamarge is out for an extended period of time, you need to do what you need to do to just get points. Draws and wins. Just don't lose because everyone below you is doing such a terrible job staying with this fight. You're five points clear of the team in fifth. Newcastle, top four is yours. Don't blow it. And that's going to bring us on to the final game of the week, and we are going to finish with a North London Derby. Tottenham 0, Arsenal 2. I'd like to say Arsenal listened to our podcast and they heard what I said because Arsenal went at them. Arsenal went at them. This was a team this was a game of two separate teams. And of course, Matt, every game has two separate teams. Nah. This the, this game had levels. Arsenal were way up here. Tottenham were like way down here. It wasn't even close. Arsenal could have won this game 4 or 5 nothing if they choose. I think Ramsdale's first real opportunity for actually being tested was like six minutes after the second half started. Hugo Lloris having an absolute blunder putting the ball in his own net off of a... Off of a I mean, I literally, the shot, JD, might have been actually from the touchline. And, of course, Odegaard recently awarded the Premier League Player of the Month. It, God damn, what a shot. Like, Arsenal deserved the win, they deserved all three points, and Arsenal deserved to be eight points clear at the top of the Premier League table. JD, this game was one-sided to a T. Yeah, yeah, Arsenal looked the better side the entire game. Um, it doesn't help Tottenham that your World Cup winning and World Cup finalist goalkeeper makes a mistake like that it's it's shocking that a player of that quality can do that and one thing that people aren't talking about this is like the third goal that soccer that or the third own goal that soccer has has caused this season from that position which effective maybe or cheap maybe i don't know weird Uh, i just i think i think if you're arsenal there is no talking points i have zero talking (laughs) points to say about arsenal Arsenal, you won. You played 90 minutes of your best football against your best rival, your biggest rival, and you took care of business. This is, we are going to focus all this on Spurs. Hugo Lloris just retired from international football. Tottenham, it's time to move on. Hugo Lloris is not the quality. One, he is 100% responsible for the first goal, and... He is 100% responsible for the second goal. I get it was a really wonderful shot by Odegaard, but Hugo Lloris was late. Very late into making reactions. You know what happens to players when they get old? Their reaction time goes down. Do you know what you need to do? Go out and get a better goalie. I know, you don't want to hear it. It sucks, and I'm sorry, but Hugo Lloris is officially past his prime, and it's time to move on. He's not the 87 overall goalie on FIFA anymore. He's like an 83 on his best day. Let's be honest here, boys and girls. It's time to move on. Number two with Spurs. 
you will let Harry Kane go. You will. In the summer, you are going to let Harry Kane go wherever the fuck he wants to go. Because it's absolutely a damn criminal shame that that man has had to fucking sit and waste his goddamn career on your team. That's just mean and disrespectful to what could be the greatest English striker of all time. Young Ming's son, I'm not going to attack him. He's had a bad six months, and I think it's unfair to go after a guy when how great he's been. The rest of Spurs are just absolute bang average. Like, the, 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 the team is bang average. I think, JD, Sky Sports put out a best a best 11 of the North London Derby, and they added, like, four guys from Spurs, and I'm sitting here like, Harry Kane should be the only one representing Spurs on a best 11 amongst those two teams. Like, it's... It's not good. If you're Spurs, you're not good. Antonio Conte is saying all the wrong things in the media right now. He's checked out. He's gone. Dan Levy might be selling only a portion of the club, not all of the club, which also is not fucking good. JD, is there anything positive right now going on in the world of Tottenham? Not really. Um, I guess their weak position because of teams around them is a positive, but at the same time, guess who's breathing down their necks? Fulham, Brighton, and Brentford. So I, that's that's not a good outlook right now. Like Liverpool and Chelsea have already dealt with those teams poorly, and Tottenham look like they're going to be next. I I really see Fulham, Brighton, and Brentford. Those three. That's position six, seven, and eight. I I, I see Tottenham having trouble with you know keeping up to pace with them. I think they're all going to pass them. It's 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 going to be interesting because Spurs are going to have to turn this very soon. You have Manchester City on the week. You have Manchester City on Thursday, and I know that's not the, the team you want to play. It's Pep Guardiola after a loss, but let me tell you right now, you got to find some way, shape, or form to really muscle up in that game. Uh, a few talking points post uh, whistle. Richarlson is officially just a piece of shit. He is. I, JD, I've officially jumped onto the boat with you. I've officially jumped on. Richarlson is just an asshole. Going yeah. going at Ramsdale post-whistle. And then, of course, you know, in a heated Derby matchup, there's always tend to be one asshole fan who's going to try to go all Green Street. And, of course, this happened here as a fan attempted to kick Ramsdale as he was retrieving his Not water tempted. bottle. He, he did. I mean, I'll tell you right now, first of all, there's videos of this kid coming, kid, because I say kid, there's no way this kid was over 25 years old, maybe. Um, dude, you looked five foot two, 90 pounds wet. Aaron Ramsdale is like 6'5", full of just English rage. Do you really want to be taking a swing at that guy? Because he seems like the type of guy who will jump into the crowd and fight you. As well as, granted, Jaka also was right there, ready to absolutely fucking square up. Massive compliment to Mikel Arteta, who ran straight over and ripped his players away from security and forced them to go celebrate with the away fans. That's how you know Mikel Arteta is going to win the Premier League this year. Because he has that respect and that maturity level with this young team where even though you had some guys extremely hot-headed in a very very a very aggressive moment he still found a way to get his players to compose on the spot and do what he said 
That's why Mikel Arteta's Arsenal are going to win the Premier League this year. Like, it's it. They're eight points clear, JD. This is... this. Uh, if Arsenal find a way to mess this up... I, I don't know. I don't think I'd have words. I really don't think I'd have words. Also, since we're on the talking point, stop saying Manchester United are in the title race. We're not. I don't want to be. I'm not there yet. Ask me in a year from now. Exactly 365 days. That's what I want. I want to have that conversation then. Not now. I don't want to have it now. Arsenal, don't fuck this up. Go win the fucking Premier League. But, like, yo, next weekend's going to be fucking lit. Arsenal versus Man United, both teams playing at the level they're at right now. Fucking love it. But that is going to be it for the Premier League games this weekend. Really quickly, we're going to go through. JD had four correct picks. The fans had five, and I had seven correct picks, which now brings the total to JD at 82, and the fans and I are exactly square at 92 picks. I have made a comeback. And now the move is on. Really quickly, we're going to talk about... Um, we have two FA Cup replays off of draws that happened in the last round of the FA Cup. Leeds United's going up against Cardiff. I believe Leeds are home this time. Leeds just take care of business. Like, don't fuck around and find out. Just take care of business. And, and JD, the final game is Wolves versus Liverpool. I believe the game is now at Wolves. What are we thinking going into that, that FA Cup matchup? Honestly, I forgot it was happening. Um, I don't really care. Uh, the last thing Liverpool needs right now is more games. So I, if they win, awesome. If they don't win, fine. I, I really don't care. We won it last season, so it's fine. The way I, I think Liverpool should be beating Wolves, but at this point, who the fuck knows with either of these teams? Completely, completely understandable. That is going to bring us on to the... We have two games this week. We have two uh, midweek games to, I guess, make up for some of the time lost around maybe the Queen's passing or stuff like that. First game, Manchester United will be going away to Crystal Palace. Um, I'll, I'll go first here. Uh, Man United are going to probably rotate some players. It's probably not going to be as clean cut of a game. But if Crystal Palace come out with the same attitude that they did... Uh, you know, against Chelsea. Who knows what will happen, but I doubt this game is going to be as fluid or as clean as some of the other games have been. I feel like United are going to have to scrap out a win, but I could see I, I sh United should grab all three points. So, JD, what are you thinking? Yeah, I, I think in seasons past, and in, in the most recent few seasons, this would be a game that United might kind of not prepare correctly for, and maybe Palace sneaks a draw. I don't think that's going to happen this season. Um, I think United know what they're doing right now. Palace have lost a bit of form, and even being at home, I think United will still squeak out a win here easily. Next game is going to be Manchester City are going to be going up against Tottenham. Now, this is going to be at Man City. Now, JD, uh, the fans are as well going with Man United. This is an interesting one here. I don't remember Pep Guardiola ever losing three games in a row. They lost against Southampton. They lost against Manchester United. If they lose here, there would be three straight losses across all competitions for Manchester City. That's kind of crazy to say out loud, but, J.D., I'll have you start this one off first. What are you thinking? 
Yeah, it's not going to be three in a row. Um, I think Man City, they're going to... Pep is pissed. Holland's pissed. Holland is going to bully Tottenham's back line and Eric Dyer. I think Harry Kane's going to look at what he could have had had uh, had the team let him just fucking leave. I don't think it's going to be close. The fans, as well as myself, agree. I think Manchester City, especially with how bad the Spurs side played against Arsenal, I, I really can't imagine this is going to be any better, especially being at Manchester City. So that is going to be it for our episode tonight guys thank you so much once again for all the love and support you guys provide we greatly greatly appreciate it if you are not already please give us a follow at the epl boys on instagram where you can get all the updated information from everything here going on at the epl boys camp as well whatever streaming service you are listening to us on please make sure you are hitting the subscribe button and you are leaving us a five-star review it goes a very very long way to the growth of this podcast for JD, my name is Matt, guys. I want you to be safe. I want you to be well. And we will see you guys next time. Sound.